FAIR stands up to institutional intolerance at CU Denver, building agency in the next generation, and Time Magazine's declaration that we are living through a transgender tipping point. Welcome to FAIR News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast episode description. Meg Smaker's new documentary film, Jihad Rehab, tells the story of several former Guantanamo Bay detainees as they navigate their lives at the world's first rehabilitation center for Islamist extremists. The documentary was by most measures a great initial success, attracting enough positive attention to make it into the storied Sundance Film Festival. Yet soon after it premiered, scathing criticism from activists and the resignation of two Sundance staff members led to lengthy apologies from Sundance's CEO and festival director, as well as Jihad Rehab's executive producer, Abigail Disney. Much of the initial criticism of the film centered on being directed by a white non-Muslim woman. Following the Sundance apology, a group of filmmakers published an open letter detailing other reasons for opposing Sundance's decision to platform Jihad Rehab, which ranged from the film's alleged silence on the topic of extrajudicial detention to the claims that it recycles harmful and Islamophobic narratives. At the end of the letter, the list of suggested structural changes for Sundance to be more accountable included mandatory anti-Islamophobia training alongside existing anti-racism initiatives for all institute staff. Smaker linked up with the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism to help fend off the cancellation campaign against her film. Together, Smaker and Fair in the Arts are standing up for free expression and against the small group of activists trying to censor Jihad Rehab, while also showcasing the film to audiences who are eager to learn more about the important issues it touches on. Our next promotional event will be on Wednesday, July 20th in Los Angeles, where we will host a special screening of Jihad Rehab, followed by a Q&A discussion with Smaker and author journalist and fair advisor, Barry Weiss. Register now with the link in the description. We hope you join us. On June 8th, Fair sent a letter to the Dean, Provost, and Chancellor of the University of Colorado, Denver, regarding their approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. The letter was based on reports submitted to Fair Transparency, one of which alleged that the university forced employees to adopt land acknowledgement statements that included accusations of genocide. Reports also mentioned a chilling effect on free speech that has arisen because of these initiatives. Fair encouraged the university to amend its practices so that they can be truly inclusive of diverse viewpoints and freedom of speech, as it is required to do so as a recipient of state funding. On June 17th, Fair sent a letter to the Board of Trustees at Hamilton Southeastern Schools in Fishers, Indiana. The letter came in response to a report on fair transparency about the board's vote to amend the K-12 student handbook to include microaggressions on the list of behaviors that may result in a student being suspended, expelled, or excluded from the regular school day. Fair summarized its position as follows. As an advocate for pro-human anti-racism, Fair respects educators who undertake efforts towards positive change and greater fairness. Such efforts, however, must be consistent with constitutional rights protections. We are concerned that the microaggression policy referred in the report will lead to free speech violations of HSE students. For our Substack, Fair Fellow Quay Hanna wrote about his experience speaking to young people who hold racist and prejudicial mindsets rooted in skin color, beginning in the 1990s. 
noting that the common refrain by those holding to racist and essentialist generalizations was that any exception or outlier he would mention didn't count. He goes on to highlight the ways that modern anti-racists echo the same refrain. Hannah states, Contemporary anti-racists often bring up the inequality of income between black and white people as an example of systemic racism. But there are many economists who would disagree, including Thomas Solwell, who happens to be black. When this is pointed out, we're told, well, he doesn't count. When the state of Virginia makes history by electing Winsome Sears, the first black female lieutenant governor in its 400 years of legislative history, instead of celebrating the progress that this former slave state has made in race relations, we're told she doesn't count. Barack Obama was elected as president of the United States twice a fact that in the times of slavery and Jim Crow seemed impossible. And yet any time this point is made, we're told he isn't really black, or he isn't black enough, or he's the exception. In other words, he doesn't count. Fair in the Arts fellow Michelle Polino writes for our Substack about our society's growing collective aphasia, which she describes as this country's fundamental inability to speak to one another. She says... The ability to express our thoughts and connect with others through words is a precious commodity that could disappear at a moment's notice in any one of us. I felt it disappear in myself temporarily, not because of aphasia, but because of fear. Fear that my thoughts aren't welcome. Fear that I will be shunned or shamed for thinking or saying the wrong things. I see that fear in my partner's eyes as soon as I open my mouth when we are out with friends. It happens when someone brings up something they've read on social media or heard on TV, or when someone pops in with a new pronoun. I watch my partner's eyes shoot over and I nod and smile politely, pushing my words deep inside. For Desert News, Fair Advisor Ian Rowe wrote about the critical importance of an appreciation of America's founding ideals in our youth and the ways overly negative visions of America, such as those expressed by the 1619 Project, have a crippling effect. One building block of agency in young people is that they must believe that they live in a good country, if not a great one, a country that is not hostile to their dreams and that, however flawed, is still full of possibilities that will reward you with great works in return for your great work. Continuing, Rowe states, Building agency in the next generation will depend partly on teaching our young people to appreciate and embrace America's founding principles, rather than teaching them to denigrate and reject those ideas as somehow illegitimate because they have been too often violated in practice. Those principles have been a pathway to success for legions of marginalized groups who have shouldered every burden, every disadvantage. That is why we must oppose distorted histories that paint America as irredeemably racist, or as inherently an unjust nation. For the New York Times, Fair Advisor John McWhorter recommends and briefly reviews three books about the Black experience that are on my radar, one of the future, one out right now, and one from the past. Each enriches, or will, an understanding of our moment and our ongoing discussions about race in America. The first is the Oxford Dictionary of African American English, which will be a historical dictionary along the lines of the Oxford English Dictionary. The second is Agency, the four-point plan, F-R-E-E, for all children to overcome the victimhood narrative and discover their pathway to power, by fair advisor Ian Rowe, who wants to make life better for Black people and sees many of his choices as ones that others would benefit from. The third is American Skin, Pop Culture, Big Business, and the End of White America, by Leon Winter which chronicles different ways that the culture was browning, noting how refreshingly unremarkable it was that in the 1990s, Britney Spears was singing and dancing in styles originated by Black Americans, and Brandi Norwood was cast as the lead in a network TV reboot of Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. 
For real clear education, FAIR research analyst Grayson Slover wrote about the University of California's Board of Admissions and Relations with Schools, BORS, and a recent proposed amendment to its admissions requirements, about which FAIR's legal team sent a letter. The proposed criteria, Slover writes, stipulate that all ethnic studies courses must embody the foundational values of ethnic studies, holistic humanization, and critical consciousness, the latter of which the criteria's authors define as the ability to recognize and understand racialized oppressive social and political conditions, and to act to change those conditions. Slover writes, Ethnic studies education should be a space where students are encouraged to have honest and difficult discussions about our nation's historical failure to live up to the ideals articulated in our founding documents, as well as the ways in which we have successfully attracted people from every part of the world and integrated them into the largest and most powerful multi-ethnic democracy in human history. As one of the founders of the field, James A. Banks, has explained, ethnic studies should foster unity within diversity. This is the approach we take in the forthcoming FAIR Introduction to Ethnic Studies, a high school ethnic studies course developed by FAIR. For Free Black Thought, founder of both the Jewish Institute for Liberal Values and the Institute for Liberal Values, David L. Bernstein, examines seven different senses of the term systemic racism, and how we can approach discussions of them with more nuance. Bernstein says, A more rigorous approach to discussing and analyzing systemic racism will not answer every question about how much systemic racism exists, where it exists, and what it explains and doesn't explain. Such questions may not be entirely answerable. However, a more exacting approach to questions of systemic racism will certainly provide for richer discussions and clearer insights into why disparities stubbornly persist and aid society in designing better solutions to these age-old problems. For Unheard, Kat Rosenfield wrote about the growing sense of unease in the U.S. that we might have tipped too far, too fast, into what Time magazine declared that we are living through a transgender tipping point. Rosenfield also notes the discourse surrounding how the Biden White House has enthusiastically taken up the cause of not just ensuring access to medical transition for children who identify as trans, but taking other treatment options off the table. Rosenfield writes, Once, we agreed that the point was to be healed and made whole. The end point of the patient's journey is that he stops being one. The doctor's triumph is in seeing him walk out of the door with high hopes that they'll never meet again. Also, in most cases, the process of healing was governed by a certain conservatism, a desire that the cure not be worse than the disease, a reluctance to adopt extreme measures when more moderate ones might suffice. And so, your doctor would likely prescribe physical therapy before surgery, or try to restore healthy function to the organs you have before removing them from your body and replacing them with transplants. The most invasive, disruptive, and destructive treatments, amputation, chemotherapy, were understood as last resorts to be held back until and unless they would make the difference between life and death. We want the FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Send your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. We hope to hear from you. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories. Or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org slash donate.